Welcome to the Skill Stadium, a podcast for the skilled trades, where you can learn about the opportunities and benefits of working in the skilled trades from business owners, hiring managers, and the hardworking, talented professionals. And now, your host, Keith Williams. Hi, this is Keith Williams with the Skill Stadium podcast. I am excited today because I have Dustin He is a general manager and vice president for Great Lakes Skilled Trades LLC, which is a recruiting office for the skilled trades. So what you're going to hear today is you're going to hear about the great opportunities in the skilled trades, how it's growing, and why it is a great career path for people to take. I have Dustin here with me today. Dustin, please introduce yourself. Let us know a little bit about your background, where you grew up. And please take it away. Yeah. Hey, Keith, I appreciate uh, having me today. So, uh, you know, as you said, I'm the VP and general manager of Great Lakes Skilled Trades. To give a little background, um, I have about 20 years of uh, staffing experience. Uh, so I guess I'm a career staffing person, as some of my folks would say that, that work with me. Uh, but most of that experience has been in the skilled trades. So I, I started staffing uh, in construction skilled trades. I've worked for a couple of different companies um, that have grown to be large national companies. I've also done startup companies uh, in the arena. And so I have a lot of experience, you know, again, dealing with contractors, very familiar with you know, what people are looking for out there and, and also very familiar with the struggle right now with the skills gap and trying to attract more people into uh, the skilled trades as a viable career option. Excellent. Hey, Dustin, please you let our listeners understand as a VP and general manager, what is it that you do job perspectives like on a day-to-day basis? What are your duties? What are you doing on the job? Sure. So, I, so that's a great question. So I run the company. I mean, we are a very young uh, company. So we actually started during the pandemic. Um, so I've had a number of different roles in my career, starting on the you know frontline sales. I've done recruiting. I've done operations. I've run $120 million regions for staffing companies. Uh, Great Lakes Skilled Trades, we're a, we're a newer construction I wouldn't even say just construction, skilled trades staffing firm. So we really cater to folks in the skilled trades, trying to place them with great jobs. So as a young company, you know, I have a team of five right now. Uh, we're, we're growing our organization, but I essentially have been involved from everything from our initial uh, stand-up, right? Our branding, our brand voice, our brand guide, uh, which was really tailored towards, you know, attracting skilled trades people uh, to come work for us and see us as a viable option now. 15 or 20 years ago, that would have been the complete opposite. You did 90% of your branding and marketing towards customers, right? Now, this day and age, the the you know the script is really flipped, right? So, you know, I was involved in all that, positioning us as, um, you know, a viable option for uh, skilled tradespeople in our communities, why we may be a viable option for them, uh, why we can help them, whether it's continuing their career or uh, really get established in a career in the skilled trades. So started with that all the way through now, running the, the day-to-day operations and, uh, you know, looking at uh, potential expansion markets. So it's a it's a busy job wearing uh, multiple hats for sure. Sure. And I'm sure it was pretty challenging starting during the pandemic. I, I would imagine you had to make a lot of changes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of assumptions that, uh, you know, weren't necessarily uh, what we thought. I, you know, I can certainly say that, and we'll talk more about uh, the skills gap today, but the attraction of talent or the attraction of skilled tradespeople was even harder than we thought uh, with some, due to some of the circumstances of the pandemic. Definitely. Definitely. So you're in a job where the business, for, you're in a job of business and skilled trades. Can you share what you're seeing going on in the industry? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, skilled tradespeople are just in in such high demand. Uh, it's it's amazing. You know, we've been talking about a skills gap uh, in the industry, and whether you're in construction, whether you're in um, heavy manufacturing, whatever your trade is, since probably the mid 2000s, mid you know 2005, 2007, you really started to hear about that. You know, then obviously we had the Great Recession, uh, which jobs went away for a while, but a lot of people left the trades, right? So there's a lot of folks that left the trades, maybe got into a different career because it was so highly impacted uh, during that time. You know, then we came back to a, a time of great you know, kind of a stronger economy as things improved um, over the last uh, eight to 10 years since the Great Recession. And, you know, that skills gap just kind of increased. We needed more people uh, in the trades and there and there just aren't as many people coming into the trades as there are retiring now. We have our baby baby boomers retiring. Um, and then, you know, coming into the pandemic just uh, really exasperated things, um, as you guys know, with, uh, again, some folks not able to work, some folks not maybe willing to work for a variety of reasons, but a lot of that work's still out there and needs to be done. So, you know, we've just seen Skilled, skilled trades people, that demand for them increase. We've seen wages increase. Uh, we've seen a lot of companies changing how they try and attract uh, talent, whether it be more flexible workforce, obviously rising wages, uh, offering more perks. So, uh, you know, it's definitely a an employee's market in the skilled trades for folks that, that want to work and um, are good at their craft. Definitely. You know, I, I think you're going to see more of a shift as, you know, as a, the retail and the hospitality industry industries are getting hammered because when these people lose these jobs, a lot of them are not coming back and the people don't go away. The jobs may go away, but you know, it, it doesn't solve the, the, uh, the problem of just maybe giving money or throwing money at it. Stimulus people need to be able to retool, reskill. And, um, I don't know. I think you're going to see more of a spike if people want to go into skill trades. Just it's a low cost of entry, you know, and a high return. And, and there are very few, there are very few cases where you have that, where you have, you know, low risk, high returns. So um, I think we're going to see a shift. Yes, definitely. So we, you know, we've had two incidents that have put a spotlight on the skill trades. Uh, the pandemic, obviously, the weather disaster in Texas. How, how has that impacted the salaries that you're seeing? I mean, you've mentioned, you mentioned it a little earlier, but, you know, what are you seeing out there in terms of salaries? Sure. Yeah. So I can't speak so much for other than what we see in the news media on the uh, the you know, weather disaster in, in, in Texas, but certainly the pandemic um, has played a large role in continuing to drive up you know the demand of skilled people. So drive up the demand, uh, you're going to see upward mobility in in wages, right? So uh, you know, as we know, in many states, construction and and many manufacturing uh, verticals were considered and deemed essential. So the work went on, right? And there wasn't uh, maybe as many folks uh, willing or able for a variety of reasons during the pandemic uh, to perform that work. So it just made the number of people, you know, the work was still there, the number of people doing it, um, again, shrunk. Um, we already know that, you know, there is a skills gap. There's a high demand for skilled uh, tradespeople, and that just really exasperated it. So, you know, when I started looking at it, I was thinking about last night um, when I was you know, looking at some of our uh, you know, talking points, and, you know, I started to think about even probably uh, eight, 10 years ago, in some of these trades, uh, salaries have gone up 50% in that time, right? So you know, think about that of whatever your profession is. If you could say, hey, eight or 10 years ago, I'm making 50% more than, than I or I am now than I was eight or 10 years ago, you'd be feel, feeling pretty good about uh, you know where you are and, and probably your career choice, right? So that's really the type of uh, mobility we're seeing in some of the trades um, in a lot of areas is, is almost a 50% increase over the course of the last eight to 10 years in wages. So yeah, you can really you know, put some money in your pocket. 
Definitely. You know, something I've seen that's been really interesting is as I've looked at the job boards, I've seen companies offering 500 to 2500 to about $5,000 as a referral fee for plumbers. Mm-hmm. That's That to me is telling, and that's on your mainstream indeed. So that's not like a hidden, that's something that's right there. Boom, right there. And, and to me, it tells me if a company is willing to pay that kind of money just for a reference to get to getting, and obviously the person has to be hired and so sure. forth. But the fact that they're willing to put that out there, it, it, it's it's telling. It's it's unbelievable. Uh, and a lot of that is like we said, we're seeing a lot of the older generation of plumbers retire. You can only you know you can only do that for so long. You know you're doing physical work, so. And, you know, as people get older, their their lifestyle changes that, you know, their bodies change or things that you just can't control. So as a result, these companies and something I've learned, too, is that from talking to business owners, particularly in plumbing, is that, uh, you know, a, a good plumber could represent, a, you know, 200000 in profit on one truck. <laughs> sure. you know, that's 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 a lot of money, especially for some of these smaller companies that might be doing under five million in business. That's. That's a good chunk of, you know, a profit. And obviously, there's not huge margins in, in plumbing. You know, I mean, I'm sure it's pretty good, but still, you know, it just emphasizes the importance of talent. You know? sure. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We're, we're seeing that, um, you know, gosh, you could go on almost any jobs platform right now and see $1,500, $500 um, for a skilled traceable. You know, we've done some of that ourselves. We do, you know, mostly kind of interim type of staffing folks can stay with us for a long time so we'll offer things for uh, bringing people on but I've also you know I'm working with a, a customer right now that's looking for millwrights and pipe fitters and they're offering a five thousand dollar hire on bonus right and, they, and because they know you know every day they don't have that person what it costs them uh, you yes. mentioned you know that plumbing contractor two hundred thousand dollars a truck right so now I don't have a plumber a licensed plumber in that seat that's actually costing them money. So to invest back yeah. into that and get that person in the door uh, shows you what demand it is. Definitely. Definitely. You know, now let's talk about the job seekers. What do you think job seekers can do to stand out? You know, I, I know they're in demand, but you know, nonetheless, you know, they still, they're still, they still need to be hired. They still have to make a good impression to the employer, to the recruiter. What are some things they can do to stand out? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing is to, is to be proactive, right? I mean, even if you if you are a younger person, let's say that's newer in your trade or trying to break into the, the trades, believe it or not, there are companies out there and you see this more and more with uh, companies that are just really willing to provide on-the-job training, right? Uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago, companies would be a lot more discerning, right? I'm looking for somebody with a minimum of X experience. You see more and more, um, no experience needed, willing to train, right? So really attitude and dependability are the biggest things. So being proactive about highlighting uh, those traits in your past performance, right? Whether it's on the job experience, um, because you have some job experience, or if you're, again, newer, uh, younger in the profession, trying to get into the trade, trying to get more established, you know, highlighting that in your past performance, even if it was school or a different job, right? Your dependability, your attitude, your flexibility, that's really what these employers are looking for more so than experience because you know finding that person that's a journeyman in their trade is kind of the diamond in the rough right now and and, uh, we all know that like you said those people are slowly retiring so it's about training the next generation of whether it's a steel worker a plumber a millwright carpenter whatever that is you know if you have uh, some experience you know the other 
piece of advice I would say that that I see a lot of contractors, you know, kind of maybe not exactly talking about, but but probably hinting about, and it's not appropriate, is, is to be authentic, right? Um, be authentic about what you're looking for as a skilled tradesperson, because typically, you know, unless you're in a very small rural area, typically you're going to have a number of options um, if you're experienced, right? So be authentic. Is it um, a flexible schedule? Is it a certain type of work within your trade that you're looking for? Um, because more and more employers are willing to be flexible uh, to attract the right talent, right? And if you think about that, that person being authentic, saying, hey, here's what I'm looking for, gets them on the job. Now they're happier. They're more productive. Uh, that's really a win-win, not only for, for you as a skilled tradesperson, but it's a win for the company. So there's a lot of uh, organizations that are willing to be flexible. So again, attitude, being proactive, being flexible, but then also you know being authentic, being yourself, letting them know truly what that ideal opportunity looks like for you. And more and more companies are willing to uh, be flexible to, to give folks that have experience uh, those types of opportunities. Great. No, Dustin, that, that is amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, again, uh, what Dustin shared there, you know, in order to stand out and be a good fit for a company, you have to be yourself. I might add that it's about the culture. You know, you have to fit into the culture of a company. I think that is that is critical. If you don't fit into the culture of a company, you, it's just not going to work. So, um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a great call, Keith, because, you know, we I talk about that when, you know, I'm talking with uh, folks in my profession that are maybe seasoned staffing folks is, you know, culture is so important. And so many times, especially for that younger tradesperson, a lot of times they view it as just looking for a job and they need to realize that they are uh, typically in high demand. So, you know, what is the culture of the company? Does it fit what they're looking for? Those things match. It's going to be a win-win on both sides. Yeah. I, I know some companies and just throughout my career where they had a preference for athletes or ex-military just because of the discipline and the teamwork. And, you know, if you're someone who doesn't doesn't relate to that, you, you're just not going to fit in that culture. You know, uh, you know, I've talked to enough company owners where, you know, I need somebody to show up on time, <laughs> reliability. Absolutely. Since they said so, if you're somebody who just likes to stroll on in, or you don't, you don't like getting up in the morning. Well, you're gonna have a problem with that particular employer. They're just, they're not having that. They, they said, if they said that work starts at eight, I believe you need to be there at seven forty-five. <laughs> Strolling in at eight oh one, you know, that means you're ready to work at eight. So, uh, yes, again, uh, the emphasis on on culture. Yeah. So, one of the things I always preach is that. You know, on social media, no one shows up at your door for a job opportunity. Where do you go to find talent? Where do you go to find people? Sure. Yeah. So, I, you know, it's kind of amazing. I, you know, being in the uh, staffing and recruiting industry in the trades, I almost feel like uh, companies will almost show up on your on your front door right now, right? And, and again, that depends in uh, where you're located, what your trading profession is. But you know, I can tell you, a lot of our customers spend an exorbitant amount amount of money. You know, our firm right now, I, I don't even want to tell you what we spend per month. I'm trying to attack attract talent, but it's well into the thousands and even around that uh, ten thousand dollar mark. For a small company. So, you know, it, there's a there's a lot of the traditional uh, methods. Of course, nobody's advertising in the uh, newspaper uh, like they did probably uh, 20 years ago. But, you know, there's a lot of paid advertising. Those paid job boards are still probably the biggest source for employers, uh, which is probably a little bit outdated, right? When we start to think about where that next generation is and meeting them where they are. So, you know, a lot of firms are doing, I know we are a lot of digital marketing, a lot of uh, search engine optimization, 
um, also a lot of social media, right? So it's kind of funny. You you wouldn't know this until you really got in and started understanding how the internet works, how digital marketing works, how search engine optimization works. You know, if you're, say, a, a carpenter in, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, I'm sitting in Grand Rapids right now, and you search in, in the Google carpentry jobs near me, and a select number of companies pop up towards the top, you might say, oh, well, look, hey, here's uh, Great Lakes Skilled Trades, right? I'll, I'll see what their job's about. I'm, I'm actually paying for you to see that ad, right? I'm actually paying a digital marketing company that when you type in certain terms that my ad pops up towards the top. Um, so I have a better chance of attracting you, right? So that's a lot of things that uh, job seekers don't understand is when you're just even doing a, a bowling, I don't even think they call them bowling searches anymore, where you're just doing a Google search and you type in certain terms and a certain uh, companies may pop up or certain job opportunities. That's not by accident. Right. Those companies are trying to get good people to come work for them. Same thing on on social media. Right. There's a lot of different things. You know, Facebook's huge for uh, some things you can do on there. You you know, you just uh, maybe you looked at certain things. Right. And you all of a sudden you start seeing that same product or same service type up. So now you start seeing that same ad or same types of ads from a, a select number of companies in your trade pop up that they're hiring. Again, that's not an accident. You are being targeted because of what. Maybe you've searched for in the past, you searched for welding jobs near me, or you clicked on a welding job and 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 uh, applied to it, whatever that is, and now another job's popping up. Uh, that's an employer reaching out and saying, hey, I need welders. Not only that, I'm paying to try and get you to see my ad, come to my website, apply on my page, whatever that looks like. So you know, the, the game has really changed in that respect. And I think that's a lot of things that the average person who hasn't been involved in maybe recruiting or digital marketing doesn't understand is, hey, you know, those top ones that are popping up, those folks really need people. So take a look at those. Is that a pop? potential option for you because it's not that they posted an ad and, and just waited and hoped that you'd apply. They're spending thousands of dollars for you to see that ad, hoping that you'll apply. Definitely. Dustin, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think it's a million dollar question. Every marketer, every company wants to know. I, I mean, it's it was what we used to do in the 80s and 90s, what was on paper, newspaper, TV. Now it's gone digital. And now it's such a niche because you're going after such a specific market uh, in that you're targeting skilled trades. That is a very, very niche specific market. And, you know, you, it's not as simple as just putting a post up. So as, as you're seeing, you know, you spend thousands of dollars to, to make a target search. So it, it's critical to the success of any business that's servicing that market. Yeah. Uh, so Skill Stadium, our platform, you know, we allow job seekers to create 30-second elevator pitches and 360-second videos, which demonstrate their skills and knowledge. I know it's important for you to bring the right people into interview. Do you see value in video, like a platform like that? I do. I think it's uh, it goes back to that, you know, there's still a lot of people out there applying, especially if you're, you know, I think there's two real aspects when I was thinking about that, that really, I think it helps somebody stand out, right? We, we've talked a lot about getting newer uh, maybe less experienced, younger as a per se. But I mean, if we had somebody who was middle-aged wanting to get into the trades, right, and they have all those right attributes, we're going to um, obviously be excited and and look at hiring that person. But you know, if you're newer getting into the trades, uh, there's a lot of folks applying to just anything out there. So what are you going to do to stand out, right? And I think that's what that a platform like Skill Stadium can offer somebody um, is, again, maybe they don't have a lot of experience, but again, they can highlight some of those attributes about their, their past experiences, just in being dependable, wanting to learn uh, what that track record looks like uh, for them. I think also if you are somebody who's experienced in the skilled trades, but you're looking for that specific opportunity, right? There's a lot of carpenters out there. 
right? But hey, I really like to do high-end residential finished carpentry, cabinetry, right? That's a lot different than a lot of opportunities. So how do I highlight that to stand out to employers versus just simply applying to a help wanted ad, sending a resume that says, hey, yeah, I've done X, Y, and Z. I've done, you know, trim work doing this or whatever. How do I actually highlight that to get you know, the the exact types of opportunities that I'm looking for. If I'm an experienced, skilled tradesperson and I want to be specific and be in that exact niche in my trade uh, that I'm looking for. So I think it's, you know, kind of on both ends, right? Are you younger? You want to stand out versus anybody who's just applying with not a lot of experience? Um, are you a, a seasoned craftsman that's really looking to uh, get into the exact right opportunity for you? Um, and I think in both those respects, I can see a tremendous value in that. No, thank you. Thank you. And I appreciate that because uh, I always believe things are a show me economy just because a lot of people say people can write anything on paper. Once you see a video or somebody showing, hey, here's how I did it. Here's what I did. Now that's I, I look at that as social proof. And so that's why I kind of want to get your perspective on that. Yeah. And so now, you know, we've been talking about this. I know we have a skills gap. It's getting worse. You know, I'm a big advocate of getting our youth and people who are not making a living wage into the skilled trades. You know, how do you think we can close the gap? What are what can we do to kind of turn this around? Because, you know, it, this has been going on for a number of years. It, it seems to be getting worse. And uh, I'd be curious what your take on what your advice would be. Sure. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm not going to age myself here, but I'm a, a child of the 80s and you know maybe early 90s. And, you know, as we know, there was just a tremendous push. Uh, for four-year college, right? Go to college, go to college, get your degree. That's how you're going to get ahead. My dad was a machinist by trade. Um, You know, now throughout his career, he worked his way up into uh, supervisory positions and and things like that. But he was a machinist by trade. He said, hey, you're going to go to college, right? He didn't have the opportunity to go to a four-year college or university. And, um, you know, that worked out for me. Um, And my dad was a pretty handy guy. I wish I would have taken more from him because now I'm trying to fix things around the house or the car and I'm not the most handy guy, right? I can, you know, make some good spreadsheets, but I can't necessarily uh, hang a, you know, a new ceiling fan in my bedroom, right? So I'm going to hire somebody to do that. But um, so there's a big push for that. Um, I think that was just really ingrained in our in our culture. Um, and, I, and I think we need to change that. I think, you know, I have a, I have a nephew, this is a great example, who as a young kid, you know, if we were outside building a retaining wall, doing some landscaping, uh, any type of construction, he wanted to be out there doing it, playing in the dirt, um, but actually building something. And you could just see from a young age that he was a little bit different, that he tended to want to do more of that. I mean, not different, but he he, he tended to want to do more of that, build something, put something together, manual uh, type of with my hands, craft something type of work. And you know, he's in his low 20s now. And not that his parents pushed him to go to college, but I think it was just kind of still the expectation in the family, right? That, hey, you're going to go to college, get a degree all those things. So coming out of high school, he he did. He enrolled in in college and he and he went for a semester, right? And not surprisingly to me, it just wasn't for him. Could he do it? Yeah, he could have done it, but it's not where his passion was, right? So you know, he was working uh, retail and, and things like that, and he ended up getting a job as a uh, apprentice carpenter for one of the larger carpentry contractors in, in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area, which is where he's from. And now he's got, you know, gosh, he was probably 18 going on 19. Now he's about 23. You know, when he's 20 years old, he's making $20 an hour, right? Work, working 40 to 50 hours a week, doing what he's passionate about, building something, right? Yes. Uh, so think about that. He's bringing home close to $1,000 a week as a 20-year-old, doing what he's what he likes to do, learning his craft while his uh, friends are away at college, running up 
God, is it, it $20,000 a year in debt? Is it more if they're in a private school, right? Um, now th- those folks are graduating, right? At 22, 23 years old, um, a lot of them with some serious um, college debt, right? And that's just a reality. Higher education keeps getting more and more expensive. He has no debt, right? He has a ton of money in the bank. He's got about uh, four years of carpentry experience and really can steer his own career now, right? He's moved up. He's probably more of an apprentice carpenter now. And, you know, does he want to keep doing that on the path he's on, maybe become a, a foreman, then a superintendent, maybe a project manager someday? Does he want to own his own company, right? Um, mm-hmm. Does he want to open up his own shop maybe as he gets older and more seasoned in the trade? Uh, those are all options for him. And he's starting from a far different place at 23 than a lot of his friends are. So I think, you know, we need to highlight those things and and those uh, types of opportunities because, you know, he was not a traditional four-year college. That's not what he wanted to do, yet he first kind of went down that path because it was what it was expected, um, obviously got back into his uh, passion and profession. I think, you know, when you look at how all that can happen, it's, again, giving our youth more exposure, again, to the skilled trades. Um, you know, back when I was in, you know, middle school, I don't even know about high school. There was shop class, right? But it wasn't really viewed as, oh, great, I'm going to shop class. It was a, it was kind of a um, elective and maybe certain kids for whatever reason were pushed that way. I really think we need to have mandatory um, shop class for everybody, you know, and, and shop class is a generic term. It's probably not the right term. I don't know that vocational uh, training is either, right? That's a little bit derogatory. So, you know, we need to look at how we're branding some of those things to our youth in our schools um, right. and, and give them the opportunity. And that's not to say, hey, you could do this. It's, hey, you have to do this as one of your electives, right? right. Um, you have to ha- take this class um, just like you had to take art class, right? You, in middle school or high school, you had to take an art class or two. Um, well, that's great for that person who's artistic, but what if they're artistic in a different way? What if it's in the building something? Are we giving them that opportunity to get exposed to those things at a young age where they can say, hey, actually, this is something I may like to do? Um, you know, I don't know about you, Keith. I, I went all the way through high school and a good part of college without knowing what I wanted to do. Just, hey, you're going to go to college, right? If we can expose somebody at a young age to knowing, hey, I want to I want to be a welder. Like, I love this, right? There are folks I've seen, um, you know, some welders that have worked for me in my career that could have been lawyers, could have been doctors, could have been whatever they wanted to be, um, were the smartest people you've ever met, right? They loved their craft. They loved what they were doing. And luckily, they had exposure to that at some point at a younger age to be able to follow that career path. So I think it's about, again, getting back in and giving them exposure at a young age to a number of different opportunities, that includes the skilled trades, right? That includes some exposure to that. And I think, again, we have to talk about how we rebrand that in our schools. It can't be called shop class. It can't be called vocational training. It has to be something else. I don't know the answer to it, but but uh, I think that's a big part of us, again, closing that skills gap and getting younger folks to realize, hey, I can, you know, at 20 years old, be making you know, $1,000 a week doing something I love. This is a viable thing. And hey, look at if I continue this, you know, where will I be when I'm 30? Will I have my own company? Will I be, you know, in some sort of supervision, really making a, a great wage? And, and that's something that they just don't see at that age. Yeah, Dustin, that is, that is a great answer. Uh, I like the idea of the branding because a lot of young people get branding. They understand that. And I think if you can brand it to where it's appealing and it's attractive, Wow, that'll be a game changer. And and also money talks. People, young people are smart. They get they understand making a good living versus not making a good living. They know what that's like. You know, I I think you hit a certain age 
you're going to know that your life is going to be a little different if you're, you know, if you're making $8 an hour versus $25 an hour. You know, it's not underestimate young people. They're not stupid. They get, they know 25 an hour is better than $10 an hour. Absolutely. So, I, I think you emphasizing that point of, you know, you, you know, how your, uh, your, uh, I think it was your nephew or your cousin, how he, uh, took a path and he's making good money now at 23. That's a big deal. It should not be underestimated. Now he's, got, he's got a nicer truck than all of his friends. I can tell you that. There you go. And I'll tell you something, probably doesn't have debt either, I'm sure. Yep. So it's, it's a nice position to be in. You know, one of the ways you and I connected was you shared a post on how women make up less than 10% of the workforce in the trades. And so I'm curious, how do we get, how do we change that? How do you get more women in the trades? Yeah, that's, I mean, and I think, again, it kind of goes back to almost some of that, uh, that, that branding and, and changing, I don't know if it's social norms, because we are breaking down gender barriers, right? But, you know, I've actually seen, so we have, that was uh, from, from our blog, uh, we have uh, somebody that, that helps us with our blog and, and researching and writing, um, and that's where that 10% number, I've, I've even seen it as low as 2.5%, which I would say in, in a lot of trades, maybe not in, in, in all of them, is probably more accurate, right? So think about that. Um, it's not one out, of, one out of 10 people, it's uh, 2.5 out of a hundred uh, skilled trades people are, are women. So yeah, it's a, it's a huge um, opportunity, I think, for uh, companies to, to attract more women. We're working with a, a large contractor um, in Grand Rapids right now um, where their kind of workforce development person and planner is a woman. And she is literally like any woman you get, bring them to me because I want to hire them. Right. I want to hire them. I want to get them uh, on a career path to see this as a long term solution and not just a job. So, you know, that's big. I think it goes back to, again, the, the rebranding. If you think about um, I talked a little bit about that exposure in school. Right. And we all had to take an art class. So oh, yeah. it was OK for a girl to be an artist or a painter. Well, what if she really likes to work with metal? Why can't she be a welder? Right. What if she really likes to build things? Why can't she be uh, an iron worker or a carpenter? Uh, or an electrician. And we see more and more people, so you've highlighted a number of them on your platform um, that are uh, women skilled tradesmen. But I think it's just giving them that exposure that that really, you know, this is a viable career path from a, from a young age. I think society is going to continue to break down some of those gender uh, barriers that we've, that we've had in the past. But, you know, do we give a young woman exposure to the trades at a young enough age uh, that this becomes a potential career path for them? Or, you know, is that kind of the exception? Right now, I'd say it's the exception. So it goes back to a little bit of branding, a little bit of uh, exposure for, for our, our young folks. Um, and I do think, you know, the other part I will I will say is, you know, construction is, I shouldn't say just construction, but especially construction is in some points, I think almost a little bit of a last frontier when it comes to diversity and inclusion and some of those things. So I think that's going to be really important too um, for companies to lead the way and and make sure that that is, uh, that they're living that on the job site, right? I would say um, not just maybe in the boardroom, but living diversity and inclusion on the job site uh, to make sure that folks from different backgrounds, whether it be a woman, whether it be racial backgrounds, whether it be, you know, orientation whatever that looks like, are welcome on the job site and not just in the boardroom. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. I get it. You got to live what you, you got to live what you preach, what you, what you speak on. So no, it makes perfect sense. So, you know, you and I grew up at a time before social media was big. How do you think that's, you know, how do you think that's impacted your industry, your business? Sure. So what you're saying is that I'm an old guy, huh? I'm old like me too. <laughs> You don't have to be adult to be to have grown up with social media. It's only about what, like 
like you think about Facebook 2007, like it's, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So it really has changed, uh, changed a lot. Right. And I think, you know, when I, when I started to think about that question, I think a lot of us are still behind, right? When we start talking about closing the skills gap, it's about attracting new talent into the trades. A lot of that new talent is going to be the younger generation. Um, so we need to meet them where they are. So when, when I was talking about paid advertising, that's still a big part. Job boards is still a big part about what we do and what traditional employers do. That's not where a lot of these uh, folks are, right? So we need to meet them where they are, which is on their smartphone, on social media. You know, I talked about some of the digital marketing and targeting that we're doing and some companies are doing, um, but I think it's only going to go more and more that way, right? As um, you know, we've heard about, if you've been in staffing and recruiting or you've been a large employer, you've heard about the large job boards, the monsters, the career builders uh, really struggling uh, specifically the last several years and having to rechange and rebrand themselves um, and that they are almost a Breed, right? We saw newspapers. That, you know, I got into this industry, like I said, 20 years ago, and that's where you primarily did your advertising for tradespeople um, or for anybody help wanted was newspapers, right? Then the job boards really came around probably mid early to mid 2000s. Now we're seeing those are dying, right? They're dying for a reason because that's not where uh, young people are. Young people are on their smartphone, on social media, on different platforms. You, you know, your your platform, um, you know, about. Uh, you know, creating some videos as a differentiator. There's another one out there called, uh, I think it's called uh, Trade Hounds, which is, uh, you know, almost kind of branded as the uh, Facebook or, or Instagram for tradespeople. I think those things are going to uh, continue to increase because that's where folks are. They're out on social media um, and that's where we need to attract them is where they are. Definitely. Final question for you. Can you share a lesson in your career that you've learned that you think can help a young person? Sure. So, you know, this is a this is a life lesson. This was a, a lesson from my mom as a young, gosh, probably, uh, you know, in high school working. Right. But it, it's true across uh, really any industry. But I also think it's really true in the skilled trades is never burn a bridge. Uh, um, yeah. So. For anybody, whether you're a seasoned craftsman, whether you're new breaking into the trades, whether you're not in the trades at all, you know, never burn a burn a bridge. You know, industry as a whole is a, is a small world. I've, like I said, been in the staffing and recruiting, mostly in skilled trade staffing for the last 20 years. Uh, it's a small niche, whether it's just that skilled trade staffing, which is a niche, or it's staffing as a whole. Um, a lot of people know a lot of people. You know, you're in the skilled trades if you're in construction, uh, whether you're um, doing large national projects and traveling for a wood group or, you know, somebody like that, or you're working in a local market. I'm sitting in Grand Rapids right now, right? Not a huge market, but a lot of uh, good sized contractors is, is everybody knows everybody. So even your largest competitors, even my, you know, two of my customers who may be the, the largest competitors competing and bidding against work, they still know each other, right? They still are members of some of the same trade associations. They still talk to each other. So um, if you burn a bridge, that that gets around. Um, I also think what you know what kind of goes around comes around. I'm a big advocate. Again, I'm in staffing and recruiting. That's my profession. Um, is that I'm I'm constantly in contact and getting contacted by whether it be a headhunter or another organization. And one of the things they ask is, do you know anybody, right? Oh, yeah. um, yes, actually I do, right? Because I have a large network. So again, continuing to, to grow your network if you're a skilled trades 
person and have a large network? Do I do I know somebody? Actually, that might not be a fit for me, but here's this person who I've worked with in my career who I know is looking because we've been in contact. Same thing for skilled tradespeople. The great thing about, you know, in the, in the trades is a lot of times there's referral bonuses, right? We pay a referral bonus ourselves. So what does your network look like? And all of a sudden you just hear from that uh, former colleague that, uh, hey, they're looking for a new opportunity for whatever reason, and they may be a fit. Um, that could be cash in, in your pocket, right? So, so never burn a bridge. It's a small world out there, especially for some of our younger folks just getting into the trades or just starting their career, whatever that is, the world is smaller than you think. Your profession is smaller than you think. I know there's been times in my career where, yeah, I wanted to give that person maybe a few, uh, insert whatever your favorite word is here, while yeah. I was departing or moving on. But there's going to be times in your career where you're going to be glad you didn't do that, whether it's uh, an economic downturn and you need all of those connections, whether it's, hey, that person knows somebody where you're applying and you didn't know they knew somebody there. So leaving on good terms, being respectful, being a professional and never burning a bridge, I think is the best advice I was ever given um, entering the workforce. Excellent. Well, Dustin, thank you so much for your time on the Skill Stadium podcast. Please share how people can find you. Yeah, Keith. So I'm I'm a big LinkedIn, which is uh, probably again uh, probably ages me, right? But as a as I guess an industry professional, I'm uh, I'm big on LinkedIn. Um, you know, also uh, of course our company website, uh, GreatLakesSkilledTrades.com, and uh, yeah, just you know really willing to to connect with uh, a lot of like minded people in the industry. You know, I hope that. You know, anything I've said today has an impact on anybody um, in the skilled trades or looking to get in the skilled trades as uh, just some some great advice. And, you know, really, like I said, if you're dependable, flexible, have a great attitude, um, you can really drive your own car in the skilled trades to wherever you want to go. Thank you, Justin. And we will have uh, your information in the uh, in the notes of the podcast. Sure. Thank you awesome. again for being on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks, Keith. I appreciate uh, appreciate you having me anytime. Thank you for listening to Skill Stadium. It would mean so much if you left a review on iTunes and told your family and friends about the podcast.